0: Welcome back once again to the Extra Point Podcast. Glad you're with us today. It's Tuesday, February the 28th. My name is Todd Stiles, one of the pastors at First Family Church in Ankeny. And the Extra Point Podcast is our opportunity just about every week to take a moment and look back at the text from which we preached on the previous Sunday and bring some further application, deeper observation, additional insight. And Travis last week preached from Psalm 3, again, this is in our series on the Psalms of Lament, did a fantastic job, laid out for us, in fact, three components of lamenting, Uh, that of describing the suffering, um, of course, then acknowledging God's sovereignty and proclaiming His salvation, a beautiful job in that chapter. And on the heels of that, I received a couple of questions that I want to answer today on the podcast as we look back at Psalm 3. Of course, Travis mentioned to us, and I thought it was quite insightful, how that often in lamenting, what we're doing is we are expressing or acknowledging to God things that we see. We're not informing God of things he doesn't know, but we are expressing to God things that we see around us that aren't right. Uh, he even used the phrase that it's it's good to simply, um, you know, let God know, so to speak, from our perspective how we're feeling about the sin we're seeing, and he, of course, gave examples of this from David's life, alluded to there in verses one and two, and of course, the the sense was that in lamenting we uh, share God's heart. What breaks His heart breaks ours, and so the sin that. Uh, bothers God, that is so uh, uh, such an affront to God, it's an affront to us. And this brings us spiritual, often physical sadness. It's a lamenting moment. And of course, on the heels of that, I had this question, what if the suffering that we're lamenting isn't because of sin? And I think the question may have been prompted because as Travis was talking about this aspect of lamenting and and just expressing to God our feelings and, uh, you know, letting Him know, so to speak, all that we're seeing around us that He already knows about, but the way it's affecting us and troubling us. Uh, He used the illustration of the earthquake in Turkey. And so I think this may have prompted the questioner to ask, well, what if the suffering isn't because of sin? In that case, of course, in the uh, earthquake in Turkey, you know, there's not a sin that you can point to or It's not someone's fault, and so perhaps in their mind there may have been a conflict. Well, we're supposed to see the sin around us, agree with God about it, how it is an affront to Him, and it's uh, troublesome and destructive, and yet the illustration of Turkey may have, in their mind, made them wonder, like, well, how does that fit? And I think there's an uh, opportunity here for us to understand that even if what we're looking at that may cause us sorrow, like in an earthquake, and we lament all the havoc and destruction it caused— Even though we would not say that's a moral evil, we would not say it's a sin. We would say that the earthquake occurred because of the effects of sin. And this is often known in theological circles as natural evil. In other words, it has come about because of the fall. And so disasters like that, natural disasters, what we'd call natural evil, are things that occur, they take lives, they wreak havoc, they are destructive, and they're not because of a specific sin. But they do happen now because of um, the fall of man and, of course, then the curse on the ground. The whole earth, Paul said in Romans, is waiting and groaning, um, of course, um, till its restoration, when God makes all things right, including the creation. And so I think it's fair and proper and theological to say, even if what we're seeing is not a moral evil or an actual sin— that we're lamenting, but it's a situation that has resulted from the effects of sin, what we would call natural evil, it's still proper and healthy and right to lament that and long for the day that that will also be done away with. Another question that came up that I thought was, uh, again, an opportunity for us to gain some further insight into the text was the phrase used by David when he described uh, God as the lifter of of his head some translations would say he lifts up my head Uh, and and travis made some great references to this as as you know who god is his character and what he does for his people the question was what is behind that phrase why would david say the lord is the lifter up of his head and i think there's some very interesting history to this phrase and it really speaks to the psalm as well In those times when kings would go to battle, uh, often the defeated king would come before the victorious king, and in a sign of subjection and humiliation and defeat, his head would always be bowed. It would be low. He would not look up at the victorious king, and often this was just moments before either the uh, killing of the king or the decapitation of the king. But in this case, David says, the Lord is the lifter up of his head. In other words, it's not a moment of defeat or of humiliation as in losing a battle. When the Lord lifts the head, it's as if the victorious king comes and instead of um, um, taking the wrath out on the subjective king, the one who loses, the king would then lift his head and spare him. He would rescue him. He would save him. He would, in essence... Say you're going to reign with me in victory. He would spare the life of the of the king that he had actually defeated. It's it's a uh, an incredible moment. Often this would happen in kingdoms, even with those who were disobedient to the king, or who had violated a king's command. If they came before the king, and their head was bowed, one of two things could happen. The king could give an edict for, um, you know, the punishment to be carried out, perhaps by death or he could reach forth his scepter or his hand, and he could, under the chin lift the head of the one who had bowed down, meaning you are now going to experience victory, not defeat. You're going to experience a rescue, not ruin. So when David says that God is the lifter up of his head, he's saying that in that moment when those thousands were surrounding him, when his foes were assailing him, when there was mockery and ridicule, it was the Lord who would come in front of him and prevent defeat and lift up his head and stand with him in victory. And that's why David could lament with such confidence. He could, in one sense, bemoan what was happening around him and the evil and the awfulness and the atrocities and the personal nature of it to him, while at the same time spending the majority of the psalm acknowledging and uh Uh, relishing in God's faithfulness and the fact that God would come to him and stand with him and lift up his head and give him victory. Well, that's some further insight on Psalm 3. Sure appreciated Travis's message and the way he just brought such good practical clarity for us. I trust you'll keep um, joining us for our series in the Psalms of Lament just a few more weeks ago. I think it's 4 or so, four or five more weeks. So join us every single week there at First Family, preferably in person. If you're out of the state, of course, or you're homebound and you have to watch online, please join us there. But just know we're enjoying this time and the word with you. Keep sending your questions and I trust you'll keep listening. And I'll talk to you next week on the Extra Point Podcast.